You're listening to the Rua Space Podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Rua Space Podcast. I'm Phil. And I'm Erin. And we're glad to have you here with us today as we explore how to make space for the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. Now, before we jump into our Exploring Scripture study, we have a favor to ask you. Now, we usually put this at the end of the episode, but we wanted to ask if you've been enjoying our podcast, if any of our interviews or studies or guided meditations or Lectio Divinas have blessed you or encouraged you or challenged you, if you would consider leaving us a review on Apple or iTunes uh, podcasts. So if you have an iPhone, it's just that, you know, purple podcast button. Most iPhones, I think, come with it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have an iPhone, maybe a friend has an iPhone and you could like look up Rio Space, leave a review or just download iTunes on your PC and leave a review. But that helps more people see the podcast. If you can leave us, you know, hopefully five stars, but uh, and, and a and, little message and if a you're message. up for it. Exactly. That's encouraging to us and helps us reach other people. So we just wanted to kick off with that. But today we are continuing to explore scripture together and we have a really fun one today. It's called Gezra Shava, which is going to actually lead us into another sort of biblical principle. But kind of of all the things we've talked about, this might be the most common one. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Even well, more than numbers, because numbers come up an awful lot. It is. It's even more common <laughs> because this was just central to how the ancient writers, the rabbis, thought and how they engaged with scripture. So Gezra Shava is basically this principle that says when a word occurs in two different places in scripture, the rabbis would connect them together frequently to start, I believe, with the law. If two laws had a similar word, they would read them in light of one another, right? So they would say, well, they have a connection. We're going to better understand them if we sort of see them together. So this is almost like the principle we talked about in our last episode with the numbers Except now we're applying it to words. Right. Okay, so So, it's that same playful attitude towards reading and engaging scripture. Exactly. All right. You see, the the tradition that we come out of is all about making connections, about God's living word, about this infinite depth that is there. And so they said, yeah, you know, when there's a word here and there's a word there, we can kind of put them together. Now, depending on what school of thought you're in, some may have thought others went too far making connections that weren't there. So some had like rules that were instituted about how this works, but there's this general sense that you can play with the text, that you can make these connections. Again, kind of related to the principle that God doesn't waste ink, that things in the text are intentional. And because they're intentional, we can make these connections together. Now, what kind of comes out of that, and this to me is one of the most, not just interesting, but actually 100% necessary for reading the Bible is what some have called stringing pearls. Now, stringing pearls is sort of related to Gezra Shava in the idea that where two words are related, you see them in light of one another. So some people have also called this scripture interpreting scripture, right? That you look from one place to another to sort of see if it works together. But what ended up happening is people started putting together texts, like by quoting whole parts of a text in a separate location to make a point about a a biblical text. So 
That probably sounds really confusing, but let me give you an example. So this comes from the Talmud, and it's a story about Rabbi Akiva and his wife. So one day it says, um, I'm just going to actually read this to you. So it says, Akiva departed. So this is a rabbi about after he gets married, he's going off to uh, train basically at an academy. And it says, and spent 12 years at the academy. When he returned home, he brought with him 12,000 disciples. So a lot of disciples. He heard an old man saying to her, his wife, how long will you lead the life of a living widowhood? Well, his husband, her husband's been gone for 12 years, right? It says, she replied, if he would listen to me, he would spend another 12 years. Said Akiva, then it is with her consent that I'm acting. And he departed again to spend another 12 years at the academy. Now, let me start here and say that this passage isn't the best for marriage advice, <laughs> right? So we are not condoning what's happening here. Just this principle of what comes next. So he goes away to the academy. When he finally returned home, he brought with him 24,000 disciples. Oh, good gracious. Right. Now, th this is the key. His wife heard of his arrival and went out to meet him. When the women in the neighborhood said to her, borrow some respectable clothes and put them on. To this, she replied, a righteous man knows the soul of his beast. So what does that make you think when you sort of hear a righteous man knows the soul of his beast? What do you think about that? What, what is she saying? Um, <laughs> I don't know. One, I'm having a hard time figuring out. I'm still back on why she would send her husband away for another 12 years. And that's a lot of dudes to bring home <laughs> following what, 24, you. <laughs> that's like so an story army. might be a little, a little exaggerated. A little hyperbolic. I'm guessing because you were talking about stringing pearls that you're leading to an answer that can be found in scripture. I just don't know where that would be found. Right. So here's what she did. <laughs> She's making a connection with her quote in, a, in Proverbs chapter 12. Okay. So what's interesting is she's doing something that the biblical authors, especially in the New Testament, do all the time. This isn't just like, oh, it happens once or twice. Like every single page is full of Old Testament references. Okay, so this is like a, a lifestyle tactic that was going on. Yes. in this day and time where right. people would quote parts of scripture right. to make a point because they'd assume you knew the rest of the scripture That's and could it. so see you know a little more it. than you're putting on because okay. you've actually gone one step ahead oh so, sorry no, i didn't mean to give great. away things no you know it see you, but you i don't know, know the verse you don't. so i was being honest <laughs> so what happened here yeah, so what she does is in saying a righteous man knows the soul of his beast it sounds like she's like burning herself right like yeah. kind of putting herself down except this is proverbs chapter 12 10 and if you read this whole thing in, in the niv it says a righteous man cares for the needs of his animal but here's the part she doesn't say and this is the second half but the kindest acts of the wicked are cruel so she's actually making a statement about them without saying it does that make oh. sense? The second half of the proverb, because they're saying, oh, why don't you wear some nice clothes for your husband? And she's like, oh, a righteous man knows the soul of his beast. But then Which sort of under the kind surface, of like, oh, he knows my heart's right. good despite how I'm dressed. But the second half is, but even the acts, righteous acts of the wicked are cruel. So right? she's calling them cruel. Or kindest acts. Right. So, But in order to understand <laughs> okay. what she's saying, you, you have, have to, to sort of know. Passage. And this is where the Gezer Shava part comes in, where you say, okay, 
she's quoting Pro- so there's proverbs here and there's proverbs in proverbs there's a connection we've got okay. to read the other one to make sense of this one okay. because if you don't read this story with proverbs 12 in you mind you get the totally wrong you, message you get the at wrong the end. exactly so okay. sometimes they would quote the whole thing sometimes they would only quote part and sort of expect you to work out the fact that there's more going on here than meets the eye. Oh. So it's this mix of Gezer Shavav in, in the Bible especially. If it's in the New Testament and the same verse appears in the Old Testament, we can link them together. And the same thing happens in the Old Testament, by the way, as well. There's other Old Testament verses that the Old Testament itself is quoting, and we can link them together. And many times we have to, to get the full meaning. Okay, so this might be a little bit of a tangent, But if I'm understanding you right, back in these times, most of this was oral. People weren't walking around with copies of Paul's letters or copies of Proverbs written down on scrolls in their back pocket, right? Like this was all. So so theoretically, then what you're saying is at this time, you, you could like walk through the village and you could greet somebody quote half of scripture, walk away, and you're <laughs> expecting that they know scripture well enough to be able to understand the full meaning of what you said. Potentially. It probably depends on how, of course, how well read they are, right? Okay. So the best students would probably know better, which could have been assigned to a rabbi. Oh, he got it because he oh. knew the rest. This guy, he didn't get it. He doesn't okay. know the scripture as well, <laughs> okay. right? So that could have been a part of it. It could have been, hey, go to your teacher. They can read the rest of it for you. It could have been a mix, right? It's hard when you're talking about two or 3,000 years ago to say this is what it was. But it was a lifestyle thing. And that that I think is a fun thing to consider because I think if we were to try to adopt this in our everyday conversations nowadays, um, I could see this working really well with like references to tv shows yes like here if if right now i were to go pivot 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 (laughs) you're moving furniture up a stairway exactly so what is it doing someone is making a joke about ross from friends right yeah or nowadays if you make like a that's what she said joke it could be michael scott Scott from from the the office or you say you know Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Dwight Schrute. Exactly. So you're sort of making a reference by, you're not saying, quote unquote, Dwight Schrute, The Office. You're just saying it and people laugh. And often they're making a connection. Because they're making a connection that isn't just the quote. They're making a connection that you're saying this situation is like that situation. So in order to understand So they were doing that. Which I now see the T V show reference, I hear that all the time from people. Yeah. Nowadays. So (laughs) they didn't have T V back then. (laughs) They didn't. (laughs) One piece of historical information you may not have known. (laughs) TVs were not around in biblical times. Okay. I got my I got, money's worth out of school. For I, that got one. De- <laughs> I got derailed. Um, but so, 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 Gezra Shava. Gezra. Okay. That's a hard word to pronounce, by the way, folks. Um, okay. So, Gezra Shava is basically doing your TV show references, <laughs> but, using, but using scripture. Uh, yes, exactly. Okay. But, okay. but to fully get the meaning, you have to know the context where the quote is coming from. Right, yeah. That's if you don't key. know the context of some of those shows that Phil was just quoting, you're going to be wondering what in the world we're talking about. Okay, so Bible examples. Yeah, so a few New Testament examples. Okay, so this is Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 and 13. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. 
He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Which some Bibles will tell you where the quote comes from. Mine has a little C and a little D there, which points me to Isaiah 56, 7 and Jeremiah 7, 11. Exactly. Okay. So, so, <laughs> so we, my Bible's doing this for me. Exactly. Okay. So one of the dangers is saying, I'm just going to read this passage and interpret it on its own. Except Jesus is referring to the pivot, pivot, and wants you to say, I want you to understand what I'm saying right now in light of the TV show it came from. I am uh-huh. quoting prophets from the Old Testament. So he's geverish offering. Yeah, or, or wants us to with his words. Ah, uh, okay. Right? So he wants us to make that connection. So in Jeremiah seven eleven, a very interesting thing was happening. Namely, the people believed God would not destroy them because they had the temple. So in chapter 7, Jeremiah says, Do not trust in deceptive words and say, This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Which again, by the way, if you listen to our previous episode. <laughs> three times. Three times. <laughs> exactly. So there's a little numerology going on right there. But... Do not trust me. So if you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other's justly, each other justly, if you do not oppress the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, and he kind of goes on, then I will let you live in this place, in the land I gave your forefathers forever. But then listen to this. He says, will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal, and follow other gods you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house which bears my name and say, we are safe? Safe to do all these detestable things? And here's the quote. Has this house, which bears my name, become a den of robbers to you? But I've been watching, declares the Lord. Wow. So the issue in the Old Testament was... They were doing all kinds of abominationable things. That is not a proper right word, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They were doing a bunch of things that were awful. And then going to the temple... And saying, God loves us. Yeah. We're God's people. Yeah. I, I go to the temple. I make my sacrifice. I'm good. I'm going to go do it again. And then oh. just come back and make a sacrifice. And I'm good. Because God will never destroy his temple. You know, it's funny. I've actually heard a number of sermons on this passage. And I've never heard that and, put together. And that's to miss the quote. Point the Jesus reference. making. Okay. Right. So he's... W- and not to say those other sermons were untrue or something, right, or that they were right. false, but you're missing the... A dimension, like a, a dimension, dimension. That Jesus was saying the temple today is like the temple back then. You guys think you're doing it all right, but people are not changing. They're not coming in the right way. And you think because the temple's here, you're okay, nothing's going to happen. Actually, go and change. Do okay. what I've taught you to do. Okay. Then you will stay and live in the land. So we have to look at this connection to fully sort of grasp it. Okay. Now there's another fascinating one that's also really kind of difficult to understand. And it comes from the book of Luke chapter 9, verse 62. Can okay. you actually can re- I, yeah, read, read the whole kind of story that the goes with it? Story? Well, no, just starting with 57. Okay. I was going to say, guys. Buckle up, because Luke is a long book. All right, (laughs) never mind, sorry. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. 
Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So kind of again with this one, how does that make you feel? <laughs> right? Well, one, a little confused. There were a lot of people here trying to follow and yeah. making excuses and some seem to be reprimanded. Right. Right. And Jesus seems a little harsh even. He does seem harsh. So what's interesting is now I want to read this story and see it. Now, this is not a direct quote. However, sort of using Gezer Shava, we can make a connection. So listen to this story. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elisha went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his attendant. So that's 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21. Now in that, it sounds like he had the blessing to go back and actually... He he did, but... Say goodbye, but he had to be very final about it the plow was gone he was right and incidentally you see the we have a lectio divina podcast about this where we did so if you missed that it's on facebook live and the, the first king's lectio divina i think facebook live though has our conversation it in does. which this truly unfolds yes. in a spectacular landfall <laughs> yes so okay where would you see the connections the kissing the father and mother the fact that he yes. was plowing. So in this instance, Luke says, oh, someone has to kiss their father and mother. And then Jesus makes this statement about no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back. Well, this is clearly the author saying, understand what's happening here in light of what was happening with Elijah and Elisha. But then what's cool is as Christians, we can flip it and say, I want to understand the Elijah-Elisha story in light of what Jesus tells these disciples in Luke 9. Okay. So using Gezer Shava, we say, they clearly want us to connect these two and okay. say, whatever understanding you come to from this text, look at these things together because mm. I'm clearly pointing you in that direction. Which, of course, for me, I think the idea being... It's so easy to put off till tomorrow what we think doesn't need to be done today, mm. right? Like the one guy they think who has to bury his father was actually asking for like a year off and such. And knowing that, hey, when you go back home, your mother or father might ask you to do this thing. Then that thing will come up. Then that thing. And then I'll be gone, right? So Jesus, though, making this connection to say this is a serious thing. You need to make that choice like Elisha and, mm. and follow completely. So, it, but if we don't sort of look back to the story... It's very hard to find the guidance of fully what does this mean. But what's great is the Bible, like you said, often gives us these. So it's not, you don't even have to have the whole thing memorized. You can just look in your Bible and say, oh, it's telling me. That's where good because I think I'd tap out if I had to go memorize the yes. whole thing. <laughs> That's, but that'd this, be hard. This happens throughout Paul's letters, it happens yeah. throughout Revelation. So Jesus quotes the Psalms, all, I mean, on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is Psalm chapter 22. So he's sort of saying, my experience right now oh, on the cross okay. is a Psalms 22 experience. Go and see the whole thing okay now for those of you who are listening just so you know um in my bible at least the matthew passage there were little footnotes that had the the bible verses that were related that we referenced that you could go back and look at the luke passage 
did not have those footnotes. And so you may find that if you go home and you're looking at your Bible and you start paying attention to when the footnotes come up and flipping and looking at those texts, um, my particular Bible I'm using now has fewer footnotes than other Bibles that I have read from. So you may want to, if this interests you, uh, go and flip through some Bibles in the bookstore and pick one that has a lot of footnotes. And because the Luke one isn't a direct quote, they may not oh, include it because of okay. that. But So you, you're not off the hook. You do yeah. still need to learn your Bible stories, <laughs> yeah, folks. Yeah, exactly. But that's sort of the invitation to say, hey, you know, if we know the office references and the friends references or whatever, maybe we should know... Not That's always true. the exact quote, but to be able to know, hey, I think there's a story kind of like that. Or if we're in scripture enough, you may not memorize, but you may say, hey, that reminds me of Joseph or something that was said in Daniel. Or that yeah. sounds a lot like a psalm or one of the Proverbs I read. Because I'm telling you, just laced throughout the entire New Testament is the Old Testament. And the authors did it. I mean, Paul was trained by a rabbi. Yeah. So like Paul was trained to in do doing this. this. So okay. his letters are laced with it because that was his training. And so we are invited to see the text as they saw it, to make those connections, to understand more depth. And that's not to say you're going to get a totally wrong interpretation every time without it, but it adds infinite more depth when we do make the connection. So, bro that. so brothers and sisters, our invitation to you is to do some Gezra Shava, to make connections when stories are connected, when there's similar phrases, similar references, to look at those stories together and find out how God's living word continues to speak today when we see it through the eyes of the original author and audiences. Grace and peace be with you.